you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offences. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. In the Bible... Uh, there is a letter written by Jesus' brother called James. Uh, And in this letter, he talks about our tongues and our words, and he uses three different pictures to help us understand. Firstly, he uses the horse, a big and powerful animal, and yet, if you put a small bit in its mouth, you can make this large and strong animal go wherever you want it to. Secondly, he uses the image of the ship. Uh, Now, this photo is an image of the wonder of the seas, uh, and she's the biggest cruise ship in the world. She can hold up to 7,000 people at once. Uh, But a small rudder at the back of the ship steers wherever the pilot wants her to go. Thirdly, the fire. 
James talks about how fire is so hot and dangerous that it destroys everything it touches. But a big fire is started by a small spark. So whether it's the small bit in the horse's mouth or the small rudder on the back of the ship or the small spark which sets a forest on fire, James says that our tongue, the power of our words, is just as powerful as those small things because of how big an impact it can make. Something so small can do such big things. Now, this morning, as Lisa uh, told us we're in our third week of Proverbs, uh, and today our theme is words. Uh, Kathleen Nielsen, in her commentary on Proverbs, she says this, she says, Proverbs winds the theme of words through its chapters, just like words wind their way through the days of our lives. We've heard Proverbs' primary call to hear wisdom's words. This subject of words is at the heart of wisdom. And Raya Orland in his commentary notes that the book of Proverbs lists around 90 Proverbs counselling us about how to speak. In fact, the book of Proverbs has more to say about our words than anything else it addresses in our lives. Suffice to say, we are simply scratching the surface this morning. Uh, but the Bible does take the issue of our words so seriously that it says in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of of the tongue. Or another way to say it is words can bring down or words can bring up. Or as Lisa put it, they can hurt or help. It's that serious. It means that much, which is why the Bible and especially Proverbs, it speaks so clearly to the issue of our words and how we use our tongue. And so this morning, we're going to look at two ways Uh, our words, two ways in which the small muscle in our mouth called the tongue can have such a big impact and influence on ourselves and others. We'll look at uh, how our words can bring down and how our words can bring, build up. So firstly, how our words can bring down. Listen to uh, these words from Proverbs chapter 18. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn there with me? Uh, These verses would have been in the Bible reading. 18 verse 6 to 8, it says that a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is its ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Notice how firstly uh, foolish words bring us down. Our own foolish speech can get us into trouble. It can put us in situations where we are trapped or snared. And I know for myself that my words can get me into trouble, especially when I'm playing sports. I can get too competitive or think that something is unfair and uh, I can, in the heat of the moment, use words to bring down. I can call people unkind words. I can speak rudely to those in authority, like referees. And I can even end up saying things that get me into fights. Words that bring down, they trap us. But they also trap and hurt others. As verse 8 goes on to say, it says that the words of a whisperer or the words of a gossip, as the NIV translates it, are like delicious morsels. Now, I think the kids are just about to start paying attention. And I'm about to ask a question. Who here has ever eaten too many lollies or too much cake all at once? 
the rest of you all are lying. <laughs> I love lollies. Every time I go for a long drive, I consume a whole bag or two of lollies. Don't tell Michael, our resident dentist. Um, and then the only reason I like going to parties. Maybe you don't like lollies. Maybe a delicious morsel for you might be like a macaron or something like that. No matter what entices you, Proverbs is using the imagery to help us to understand that in our sinful, fallen nature, we love to eat up gossip. Sonny also loves lollies. And uh, he recently found out what happens when you eat too many all at once. Sonny got very sick and was very upset in his tummy after a party after school, weren't you, mate? That was a bad day. And Proverbs is telling us that gossiping or speaking bad things behind people's backs is like eating up delicious lollies or macarons. We love to eat it. We love to eat too much of it. But then as the rest of the proverb tells us, they go down into the inner parts of our body. These bad words that we speak about other people without them knowing, while it feels great while we're doing it, ends up deep inside us, either in the listener or in the speaker, and they lodge inside our souls and bring us and others down. Look at how Proverbs describes how gossip brings us down. It says, uh, Proverbs 11.9, with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbours. Proverbs 11.13, a gossip betrays a confidence. Or Proverbs 16.28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. The words that we speak negatively behind someone else's back, it has the power to bring us down and to bring others down. It destroys relationships, friendships, and unfortunately throughout history, we've even seen it destroy churches. Other words that Proverbs warns us about are lying words. When we say things that aren't true, when we make stuff up or we hide bad or embarrassing things by not telling the whole story. Proverbs 12:22 uh, it says that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. What is this big word, abomination? Sounds quite intense. Well, the dictionary just defines it as something that causes disgust. This really does put the idea of lying in its proper perspective. I think generally our society inside and outside the church thinks of lying as a pretty casual issue. We don't hold it up uh, usually as serious as other, what we might consider bigger, more intense sins. We're used to politicians lying. We're used to advertising lying to us. Maybe you're even used to lying to one another, to our friends, to our parents, and even to ourselves. And city kids, here this morning, maybe, maybe you lie to your parents or to your brothers or your sisters, but do we think much about the issue of lying? In God's eyes, as we just read, lying is an abomination. It actually causes God disgust. It's the sort of thing that he spits out of his mouth because of how yuck that it is. And it's not just gossiping or lying which are disgusting to God. Our listening and participating in gossip and lying are disgusting to God too. Proverbs 17.4 tells us that an evildoer 
listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Ray Ortland commenting on this verse, he says, God wants us to know that just standing there and listening, tolerating the evil, actually shares in the evil. In God's eyes, it's a big deal when we see gossiping and lying as small things. Proverbs helps us understand God's thoughts on our words and uh, we are wise when we listen and understand the words that, uh, that bring down that they are evil in God's sight. And so as God's people, as those who are called to love others with our words, we are instructed not to bring down with our words, but to build up. In fact, the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to a church in Ephesus about living in the new life that the gospel grants to them, he writes in Ephesians 4.29, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. So that's either gossiping or lying or words that are hurtful and put other people down, but he says, but only such, so only say words that are good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. But as we've, um, so we've seen that our words are powerful. They have the power of death or life. They can bring down ourselves and others around us. But Uh, As we just heard from the Apostle Paul, words can also be used to build up ourselves and others around us. Proverbs has lots to say about how our words build up. So Proverbs makes it clear that words which build up are actually life-giving. Proverbs 16.24, it says this, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Our words, when they are slow to be spoken, kind, thoughtful, generous, empathetic, which means that they, they recognize and understand other people's feelings, they become so much more than just nice words, they actually become words that build up, they give sweetness to our souls and even health to our bodies. Let's consider for a moment just those last words I spoke then. Sweetness to our souls and health to our bodies. How Countercultural is this. How different from everything else around us. If we were to bring up on the screen right now a general X thread, formerly Twitter, still have to keep explaining that to people, uh, it wouldn't take too long, too much of scrolling through those threads before the words begin to bring down. Even if our feed was a completely Christian feed. The idea of a community of people serving one another with gracious words that are sweet and healing is really difficult for us to imagine. But God's word is calling us to this, to be those that speak life, that speak words that build up. Proverbs has some wisdom on this also. How do we go about best speaking words that build up? Well, firstly, according to Proverbs, sometimes you say it best when you say nothing at all, as the poet Ronan Keating once sang. Proverbs 17, 27 to 28 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. This is a difficult one for me as a preacher whose literal profession is to talk. 
But as I've grown older, I've noticed that the older, more mature people around me, they usually say less, and when they do speak, it genuinely matters. And I've noticed that when I am slow to speak, I listen better, and I'm able to say better words that do more good for others compared to rushed words with little listening. Proverbs 12:18 it says that there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Uh, back to our letter from Jesus' brother, James. Uh, he also picks up on this theme of being slow to speak and fast to listen. In James chapter 1:19, he says, "Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. And I think that those last two uh, things are connected there. Being quick to hear, slow to speak is a way that we can go about being slow to anger. When we're slow to listen, when we're too quick to want to get our own words out, get our own opinion out, get our own thoughts out, it leads us in the direction of rushing to anger. But by removing the rush and rashness, we enrich our opportunities to build up. We listen better. We have a greater chance of saying wise, helpful words, which end up being genuinely helpful for our brothers and sisters. Now, ultimately, Proverbs and much of Scripture is trying to help us understand the power of words, that they aren't flippant, they aren't harmless, that the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a load of hogwash. Words hold the power of death and life, and we've been gifted as those made in the image of God, a a speaking God, with a mandate to speak words which build up and not bring down. And we see this most clearly in the words which were spoken for us. But as Lisa mentioned a moment ago, Proverbs tells us that it is from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Jesus helps us understand these words from Uh, Proverbs 8, chapter 13, when he's speaking to the religious leaders in his day. Uh, If you come with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 12, here's this great example of Jesus taking the wisdom that is present in the book of Proverbs and applying it to his day and uh, to the situations that are facing him uh, and the people around them. Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 34 B, it says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for how every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. You will be condemned." Sorry, by your words you'll be justified and by your words you will be condemned. This is very difficult for us to hear. Jesus is saying that from our evil hearts we speak evil or from our good hearts we speak good. And yet we know from the Bible, from our own hearts, that we don't simply just wake up one morning and choose for our hearts to be good. We need to be given a new heart, one that trusts Jesus and speaks Good words. Jesus, moments before his final breath upon the cross, he said three small words which have big consequences. 
just like the small bit in the horse's mouth leading it where to go, like the small rudder that steers the big ship, like the small spark that results in the big forest fire. There are three small words from Jesus which made big changes. They made it possible for us to have new good hearts. Jesus said, it is done. Three small words. I mean that our sins have been forgiven, that we've been made right with God once again. And because God gives us his Holy Spirit who helps us to know and to understand God's words, because the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart to speak good words, we can keep growing in words that build up, that point others to the words and work of Jesus. We can tell our friends, we can tell our neighbours, we can tell our family members, we can use our words to build others up by telling them about Jesus. That he died on the cross for their sins. That he rose to life three days later and that we can have real life with Jesus if we would trust in him. If we would hear and believe his words, we can have salvation and have words that build up. Because of the gospel, because of all that Jesus has done for us, we can now speak these words that build up. Now, like right now, we're going to take a moment together to remember these words that Jesus spoke on the cross. We're going to take a moment to remember the words that he spoke, instructing his disciples to every time that they are gathered together, to remember the words that Jesus spoke and what he did for us in his death and resurrection. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. We're going to take the little cup of juice. We're going to take the little piece of bread and remember that Jesus' body uh, was put on that cross in our place and that his blood, which is represented by that juice, was spilt on our behalf that we might be forgiven of our sins and be given new hearts which trust Jesus and speak his words. And right now we're going to all together say words. We're going to pray a prayer of confession. We're going to say sorry to God for our sins as one big church family. So the words are going to be on the screen. Uh, can I encourage all of you, let's pray this out. Kids, if you can read, uh, be encouraged to look at the screen and read these words with me and let's pray this from our hearts all together as one family to our God. Let's pray together. Merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done and we have done what we ought not to have done. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent according to the promises declared to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that from now on we may live godly and obedient lives to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Well, church, God's word contains good news for us 
this morning. 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, as we all just did together right then, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2, 2, a bit later, he says that he, Jesus, is the propitiation, a beautiful Bible word, which means that Jesus takes upon himself the righteous anger and wrath of God against our sin. He takes it on himself. And instead of us facing the right penalty for our sin, we are given life and freedom and forgiveness of our sins in Jesus. That Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Christian, this is good news that we believe this morning. That we remember uh, that we, as we take this juice and this bread, that Jesus died for us, that our sins might be forgiven. But it's also a serious occasion. The Bible warns us not to take this meal if we have bitterness or unforgiveness in our hearts uh, towards a brother or sister in Christ. And I would encourage you today, if you uh, do have bitterness or unforgiveness in your hearts towards someone, I'd encourage you to forgive as you have been forgiven in Jesus. And I'd encourage you to refrain from taking this meal this morning. Also, if you are with us today and you don't yet trust in Jesus, we are so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, but this meal is for those that do uh, trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'd encourage you, instead of taking this meal, would you sit, watch, uh, form questions? Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. So would any of our welcome team or maybe even the people you came to church with this morning. I would love to have that convo about it all with you. Uh, practically, as per normal, we've got the six stations set up. Uh, there's gluten-free cracker options in the middle uh, what we're going to do now is just go about, go and grab the emblems, take them back to your seat, uh, and then we'll eat and drink together in just a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have gifted to us your word that we might know you and know who we are because of your gift of grace in Jesus. Thank you that... We can read your word, we can hear your word, we can have our hearts transformed by your word. And I would pray, Holy Spirit, that as we go about reading your word this week, that it would speak to each of us, it would help us to know more about who Jesus is, and that we can continue to learn how to speak words that build up, speak words that are gracious to one another. Speak words that give life to one another. Speak words that point each other to the goodness and glory of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Heavenly Father, please help us to flee and run from gossip, to run from lying, to run from words that bring others down. And may we be encouraged to see the power of our words bring such transformation to the people around us as we speak kind words, generous words, words that point people to all that Jesus has done for them. 
Father, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, would we say words to them that help them remember who they are in Jesus? And Father, to the people around us who are far from you, who don't know you yet, may we speak words that show them the depth of your love and goodness towards them because of all that you have fully accomplished and finished for us on the cross and in your resurrection. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.